West Bulls, good morning. Happy Easter Sunday. It's a different Easter this year. We're used to being in here together. We had hoped to be in here together. We should be in here together this morning. But as I was reminded recently, if you go back to that first Easter morning when Jesus rose from the grave, there was not anybody around to see that. And it did not diminish the power of his resurrection on that day, and it will not diminish the power of his resurrection on this day either. But I imagine that's kind of hard to get to for some of us. Because after all, your parents and my parents, they were right. Finish this well-worn phrase from our parents for me. If you make that face long enough, it'll get stuck that way. Do you know if you, if you stare at something long enough, your face could actually get stuck that way? You could actually look like it. But the other thing is you could begin to see it everywhere. I mean, think about recently. Every time you cough, don't you think twice about it? Every time you think about going somewhere, don't you think twice about it? If you're like me, every time you put your hand on a surface, do you not go dip it in gasoline after? Maybe that's just me. But we can all appreciate and we can all maybe understand more deeply where a group of people were at that first Easter morning when they arrived at the tomb of Jesus. And we can appreciate what they'd been staring at for the last couple of days. There were a group of women who, Luke tells us, they showed up at the tomb and they had in their hands spices. Now they showed up with spices because they were expecting to dress the body of Jesus. In other words, these women were staring at a hole in a rock. Their whole focus was to come to the tomb. They were expecting a corpse. And when two heavenly messengers gave them the news, they actually asked them a question. They said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, there are questions that actually ask, and then there are questions that inform. And this was one of those questions that informed. Their message was, you've come for a corpse, but there's no corpse here because he is alive. Now, the women didn't stick around to check out the science behind this statement or to look around for an expert. They immediately ran to where they knew the disciples were. And when they got to the disciples and they gave them the news, one of those disciples, Peter, Peter ran to the tomb and he encountered an empty tomb and he saw some linens and cloth laying there. And Luke tells us that Peter went away wondering what had happened. Now, generally, when I wonder what has happened, I don't usually go to a good place. I'm usually worried. I'm usually upset. I'm, I'm usually very uncertain. And, and I would guess that's where Peter was. Because what has Peter been staring at for a couple of days? Just a couple nights before, Peter had denied he even knew his friend, his teacher, the one he had followed for the last few years. And this was on top of Peter saying he would never deny Jesus. And yet he had. And now he's had a couple days to think about it. And so the women, they were looking at a hole in the rock, and Peter was staring at a hole in his soul. As for the rest of the disciples, well, they weren't really hearing this news either. To them, it was nonsense because it was women who brought it to them, and women didn't have much credibility in those days, in many people's eyes. But if you think about it, 
What was the last thing this group of disciples saw? They had either abandoned Jesus in the garden and run, or they had been staring at the holes that had been put in his wrists, at a hole put in his side, and a hole put in his feet to fasten him to the cross with nails. See, they were all staring at some kind of a hole. And if you stare at something long enough, your face will get stuck that way. You'll begin to see it everywhere. When I was younger, we had a neighbor across the street. This is about 30 years ago. And I can only recently appreciate where this, where this man was at. He was homebound because of health. Well, next door to him, there was another neighbor who had a basketball hoop. And since we didn't have one, they graciously let me use their hoop because I had a future NBA career to focus on. And so I would shoot hoops over there. And there was a bed of lava rock at the base of the hoop. Now, every time the basketball would hit this lava rock, it was light enough that it would go flying onto the driveway of our neighbor who was shut in because of his health. Now, this was a guy who really took care of his property. And he so took care of his property, he so focused on his property, that it was a property not to be messed with. And anything that came near was a threat in his eyes. Could have been a bird, could have been a squirrel, could have been a bunny, could have been the young neighbor boy across the street. But everything was a threat to his property. And so one day, as the basketball hit the lava rock and the lava rock spilled onto his driveway, here came the volcanic eruption. And he tore through his front door and began lecturing, well, screaming at me about the fact that I don't appreciate hard work, that, that I'm a threat to his property, and that was it. I didn't play basketball anymore. And I thought, this is no way to treat a future teammate of Michael Jordan. But the damage was done. I was done playing basketball there. And yet I can appreciate where he was at, especially in these times, during these days. And I can appreciate where those women and disciples were at on that Easter morning. They had been staring at the death of their friend for a couple of days. What made it worse was there was the news that he was alive, but nobody had actually seen him. Nobody's heard from Jesus. I mean, these messengers spoke to the women, and the women spoke to the disciples, and Peter checked out the tomb, but nobody has heard from Jesus. And that is actually great news for you and for me, especially on this Easter morning. Because if it's up to our ability to see Jesus, for us to actually see Jesus and for him to be present, we're all in trouble. Because all, all of our faces eventually get stuck looking at something and seeing something. But instead, when you see what Jesus did next, it's the best possible news. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 says this. Now that same day, two of them, the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked next to them. Now, don't miss this. Two disciples, we don't know who one of them is and may have been part of the group that had scattered and abandoned him during his hour of need. Two disciples. Disciples who one may have abandoned him and he walked next to them. Disciples who thought this story that he was alive after they'd watched him die was nonsense. 
and he walked next to them. They had doubted him, and he walked next to them. Now, if that's all you got out of this morning, wouldn't that be enough? I say that because we have to be reminded that Jesus does not hold your view against you. He doesn't hold your view and your ability to see him or not against you. Many of us, I, I believe, think that. That if I haven't been perfect, if, I, if I'm not able to just see him at all times, 100%, full throttle, well then, he's not there. And yet, you have to explain this passage. He's a God who looks at us like children who have wandered, and like a loving Heavenly Father, he follows. But Jesus is about to do more than let them just walk unaware down the road without recognizing him. And I believe he wants us to walk down the road of life aware of what he's up to. It means you can grieve, but you grieve differently. And you can wonder, but you can wonder differently. And you can doubt, but you can doubt differently. You can doubt with the awareness that he's there. And so, the next statement Luke makes, it's a bit of a puzzling one, but it's also great news for us. Because there will be more times in life like this. There will be more situations that we face. And we look around in our face, what's on the verge of getting stuck because of what we're staring at. Here's what Luke has to say in verse 16. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now, why on earth would that phrase be in there? More importantly, why on earth would God allow them to be kept from recognizing the greatest news they could have heard at that moment. And then the fact that he's walking right next to him, the resurrected Jesus is walking down the road with him. Why would you keep that from him? And I have to think that in our humanity, and especially today's day and age, in our instant world, where we can go to a drive-through, we can order a meal, and two minutes later, have it in our hands, in a world where we can sit down and we can watch Netflix, and not just one episode, you can watch a whole season. Gone are the days of waiting till Tuesday night at 7 p.m. for the next episode. Now we get everything instantly. But the problem with that is whatever comes easily and whatever comes instantly, we tend to forget. And I have to believe Jesus wanted to make an impression here. And so, they're going to spend a little time walking down this road, this hot, dusty road. Because when we look around at life, and it looks full of holes, we have a resurrected Savior who says you can still be full of hope. And so Jesus is about to make an impression. And if you're watching this and you're walking down the road of life right now and it's hot and it's dusty and you don't recognize where he is, this next part is for you. Luke chapter 24 verse 17 says this. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And I get it, because they've been staring at what's been going on. And that's what happens. When you've been staring at the situation in front of you, your face gets downcast. Verse 18, one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there? In these days? What things? He asked, and you're reading this, and you just think, how could, how could he even ask that question? I mean, of course, he's, he's, he knows what has happened, but this would be like meeting somebody who doesn't know about COVID-19. 
How could you possibly not know about it? Four-year-olds know the word COVID and coronavirus. How could he not know? The conversation continues. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Did you catch the word they used there? Prophet. Not Savior, not Messiah. But we can't blame them because they wouldn't know any better. Nobody had ever raised from the dead. Nobody was perceived to see a Messiah and, and be a Savior. The conversation continues, verse 21. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped. There's that language of disappointment. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, and all the ladies said, amen, because they get to say, I told you, we told you, we told you, and you didn't believe us. They found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Can you hear it? Can you hear it in their voice, in their tone, in their conversation? It's just all news all the time. It's coronavirus updates, and it's unemployment numbers, and it's phone alerts, and there are no filters in place. And it has this effect, as they stared at all of it, that they just begin to see it everywhere. And suddenly, the one who claimed he was Savior, all they could remember was a prophet whose prediction had gone wrong. And they had hoped, but they'd been disappointed. I get it. We had hoped to have Easter here this morning. We had probably all hoped to gather over a family meal afterward with relatives and friends. We had hoped things would look different. And there's this thing that happens as we continue to stare at the same thing over and over, and we begin to see it everywhere. We begin to shift the way we live, and it becomes a little more fear-based. And that hole that we've been staring at, it just expands, and it expands, and it expands. And our emphasis, and all our energy, and all our strength becomes about don't fall in the hole. Don't get engulfed. Don't get swallowed up. There's an interesting phenomenon in space I've always been fascinated with, black holes. The thing about black holes is that they don't know much about them because nobody's been able to get into one and get back out of it. The gravity is so strong that they just pull everything into them. And no light gets in, no light gets out. I was watching another documentary about storm chasers who said, honestly, the greatest danger for a storm chaser is not the storm that they're chasing, it's that as they drive their car down the road, hopefully fast enough to stay a, a decent distance from the storm, it's real easy for the eyes to shift and start staring at the storm. And as they begin to stare at the storm, the car begins to veer off the road. It, see, that's the actual danger for them. And it's the actual danger for us. And it was the danger for the disciples that day. And so when you look at Jesus' response next, you see that he's about to invite them and he's about to invite us to look. It's something different. Take a look. 
Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This was Jesus' way of saying, can I remind you? Do you remember the word that I spoke to you over and over and over? Remember how this was prophesied? Remember how there was going to be suffering? Remember when I taught you that no servant was greater than their master, that you would suffer as well? Remember, perhaps for us, remember when Jesus said that he would build his church and nothing, nothing would overcome it? No person, no idea, no virus will overcome it. And they were being invited, as we are, to see differently. They keep moving down the road. And now it's getting close to evening. Verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, I want you to just imagine with me for a moment. Put yourself at that table. Jesus is breaking the bread, and he reaches his, his arm out, and he hands you some bread. And as you take that bread, and as you pull the bread from out of his hand, what do you see? What do you see that tells you who this is? There's a hole there. There's a hole in the wrist of the hand that gives you the bread. And that is the point. There's a hole in his hands. There were holes in his hands, but not beyond them. The holes that the disciples had been staring at for the last couple of days, they were and are in his hands, not beyond them. You know what that means? It means that the holes in his hands didn't stop him from handing you and I bread, bread of life. It means that the holes in his hands didn't stop those hands from making you and I whole again. And if you're the disciples, my goodness, you've got to be sitting there thinking, wait, wait a second, we saw the holes put into his hands, into his side, into his feet. And we thought that stopped him. We thought those holes actually ended everything right there. And now Peter... Peter's about to find out that the hole in his soul is he's been staring at it the last couple days. He thought his own doing actually ended the life of his friend. And now the women were about to get a confirmation that while they'd stared at this hole in the rock and they had prepared for a corpse in a tomb, that didn't stop him. And the holes you and I contributed to putting in him as he went to the cross for our sin, you know what he says? Those holes are in my hands, but they're not beyond them. They're not. There's a man that you, many of you know, and is well-loved around West Bowles, Dave Beatty. He said it this way earlier this week. In 27 years since we came to the West Bowles staff, we have seen loss of our mortgage lender twice. Columbine, 9-11, Y2K, which seems like a joke now, but nearly gave me an ulcer, Loss of elders who turned against the church. 
loss of pastors, our founding pastor and lead pastors, and now this virus. God has seen us through. He will see us through again. Because the holes were and are in his hands, not beyond them. And when you recognize that idea, and when that idea actually sinks in, and God just plants it in your heart, then you have what happened next to the disciples. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Kind of like this video. Take a look. Agora, um toque, um toque. Toma, um, dois. Um. Senhor, senhor, um, dois. Ao menos. Queres dar o número de telefone? Um canho. Oi! 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 Ah, um cansancio, hein? Viajar, um, dois. Outra vez, de cabeça. Cabeça. Mostra o que sabes fazer, dribles. Assim. Toma, toma. Ah, bem. Muito bem. Diga, um minuto. Como te chamas? Nicolás.
I mean, haven't you been there? Haven't we all been there? I mean, for a young boy, it's the, one of the world's greatest soccer players, Cristiano Ronaldo. But we're talking about our Savior, the resurrected Jesus, who even when we look around and we don't recognize him, he says, that's okay. I'll walk with you and, and I'll stay with you while I open your eyes to my presence. And when you recognize that, something begins to happen, like what happened to them. Luke tells us, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Is your heart burning? What if it's not about instantly seeing him? What if he's walking next to every single one of us, patiently, gently, kindly opening our eyes to his presence? And he'll allow us to stare at the holes that have been poked in life. But you got to know, even if you don't recognize them, you got to know that those holes, they exist in his hands, but they're not beyond his hands. And when you realize that, and when you begin to recognize him in the situation in front of you, you begin to move forward differently, like they did. Luke tells us, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Did you catch that phrase? At once. Well, wait a second. It's evening, like it's getting dark. How, how are they going to return anywhere? doesn't matter. Well, they've gone seven miles down a hot, dry, dusty road. doesn't matter. But they weren't, even gonna, they weren't even intending to return to Jerusalem. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but they were in sandals. Like they missed the Nike sale on running shoes. It doesn't matter. See, when resurrection life grabs hold of you and me, something happens at once. And it may take a long time to have our eyes opened, but you begin moving forward with a whole new life. It's resurrection hope. You begin to look at situations and your face suddenly doesn't get stuck on them anymore. You begin to make a new face, a face full of hope and full of joy. So, like the women who came to the tomb expecting a dead body, we get to come away from it like they did, looking for signs of life. Like Peter, who would soon find out, he no longer had to stare at the hole in his soul that was tied to his doing or his failure to do. Instead, he would be invited to look at what Jesus did on his behalf. And like the disciples, we can look at the news, we need to be aware of what's going on in our world, but we're sustained by the word, the living word of God that shows us it shows us who Jesus is throughout. But maybe, maybe the cue we all need to take, whether it's the first time or the thousandth time, was the one the disciples took. As it grew, night, as nightfall came along, they urged him strongly, come in, come in and stay with us. And when you do that, well, our Savior, our resurrected Savior is faithful to hand you the bread of life so that you can move forward differently. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. 
We thank you for the reminder that we need over and over and over and over that regardless of whether we can see you in front of our face or not, that you're there. And it's with that realization, we can begin to make a new face, that our faces don't have to get stuck. They don't have to be formed by staring at the circumstances in front of us. Instead, we have only, we have only to draw near to you and your word, and you will reveal who you are. We thank you for the reminder that the holes we contributed to, the holes that our sin put in you and ultimately put you on the cross, that you hold those in your hands, but they are not beyond your hands. We thank you for what you did on the cross and for the resurrection life and hope we now have. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. West Wolves, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Happy Easter.